All right, Alexander, let's talk about two viral videos. Uh, both of the videos uh, feature leaders of uh, African nations, uh, Congo and Namibia. One, leader one video features uh, the leader of France, Emmanuel Macron, and the other video features, uh, I, I believe, a, a high-level German politician, a German official, perhaps an ambassador. I'm not quite sure, right. actually, who right. the, it, it, the other low, video features. No, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can just explain. Norbert mm -hmm. Lamet, who is a, a very high um, political figure within the CDU party, that was Angela Merkel's party, and um, he was for several years the president of the Bundestag. So he's, you know, somebody who's absolutely a high-level member of the German political establishment and political class. Okay, well, jump right into it because both of the videos have the, uh, I believe, the president of uh, Congo and the other one was the president of uh, Namibia. Is it president absolutely. or prime minister? No, uh, president of, of Namibia. Uh, Namibia. Okay, pre president of Namibia. They both, uh, well, they really shut down um, the German... Uh, political leader on the one side with Namibia and Emmanuel Macron on the other side with uh, with the president of Congo. And this kind of uh, feeds into the video we did about a week ago where we talked about how uh, France's influence in China is, uh, is disappearing very quickly. So um, after we did that video, we had these viral videos get out there. So uh, interesting development, what, uh, Absolutely. what's now, going on now here. I let's, let's start with the Namibian incident, which is actually in some ways the less, the less important one, but nonetheless in some ways the more dramatic one. So this German political figure, Norbert Labert, goes to Namibia. He has this discussion, which is all on video, with the president of Namibia. And, of course, he's there back at the old game... He's worried about Chinese infiltration in Namibia. He complains that there's twice as many Chinese people in Namibia than there are Germans in Namibia. Though I, Namibia was once, long ago, before the First World War, a German colony. Anyway, the Namibian president ha will have nothing of it. He cuts him off, uh, alarm at midstream. And he says, you know, you know, who are you to tell us who we should make friends with? Why are you always coming up with this issue of China all the time? This is our business. It's no business of yours. And, you know, basically take a running jump, push off. I mean, we, you know, we make our friends with whomever we would choose. This is our right. We're not going to be lectured in this way as, you know, we, you, know you continue to lecture us don't treat us in the semi-colonial or near-colonial fashion. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's pretty eviscerating. It's, it's devastating. And as you rightly said, it's gone viral. It's all over the place. I mean, in Africa itself, apparently, it's been seen by many, many people. And it's been very, very well received there. The president of Namibia, I should say, is not everybody's, you know, not everybody likes him. But there is almost universal feeling across Africa that he stood up for his country and responded to this German uh, political figure extremely effectively and put him firmly in his place. And I was squashed him. Namibia, by the way, is an important country. It's rich in all kinds of minerals. It's, you know, a place which 
is not to be completely overlooked. Now, well, definitely not overlooked. It's an important country in African terms. Congo, and we're talking here about the Democratic People's Republic, Congo DRC, in other words, the former Zaire. Um, Zaire is not its name anymore, but Congo, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Africa's, I believe it's Africa's biggest country. If I'm wrong about that, people can correct me, but a huge country at the centre of Africa, very minerally, very minerally rich, former Belgian colony, therefore a place where French is widely spoken. It's almost a second language. And a place which used to be during the Cold War, when it was led by President Mobutu, a close ally of France and of the United States and of the collective West. Anyway, Macron goes there, and this is part of his tour of Africa. He's trying to drum up support in Africa. He's trying to, you know, shore up French positions in Africa. He goes to Congo. And it doesn't go very well. And he's um, faces, again, public criticism from the Congolese president, who basically lectures Macron, something Macron can't have been used to, about the importance for Western leaders to respect Africa and respect African people and African countries, something which, by implication, they're not doing, and Macron isn't doing. And then, of course, the topic of Rwanda comes up. Now, Rwanda is a neighbouring country to Congo, and it's been involved in a long-running war with Congo, and it's at various times occupied Congolese territory. I believe it still does. And there were lots of questions directed at Macron. Why doesn't France impose sanctions on Rwanda? Now, the implication is, which everybody, of course, knows, well, does France impose sanctions on Russia because Russia has supposedly, well, has invaded Ukraine? So why is it not imposing sanctions on Rwanda, which has invaded Congo? And, of course, Rwanda is a friend of France and of the West, of the Western powers. So that's not something that Macron wants to do. But, of course, more importantly, he doesn't like to be asked about this. He doesn't have, he doesn't like to have this discrepancy, hypocrisy, if you like, in Western policy, this inconsistency pointed out to him. And at one point during a press conference, as people are pressing him about sanctions to Rwanda, he he loses his cool. He just gets incredibly angry. He says, you know, Congo, you know, who are you? You can't even defend your own territory. Essentially, he's basically saying, who are you to speak to me like that? So altogether, a train wreck, a train wreck for Macron in Congo, critically important African country a train wreck for Lamet in Namibia. Now, to be very clear, I, I'm not suggesting, and I think we've been suggesting in the Durand, that the people in Africa, the Africans, are taking sides, are wanting to take sides, either, you know, with the Chinese and the Russians against the West or vice versa. 
And of course, there are many different African countries with different views. But I think that there is now a general consensus within Africa that the days when they're going to be lectured and bossed around by Western leaders are over. And I think any Western leader who comes to Africa with that kind of thinking is going to face the kind of reception that Lamet and Macron have just had. Yeah, I agree with your statement there that, um, you know, they're African. Each African country is going to is going to pursue a different foreign policy. And, um, you know, there are we're not suggesting that that whatever country we talk about in Africa has chosen Russia or China against the the U.S. or the collective West or not. I, I don't think that's the issue. I think the, the, no. the issue is you're right. The issue is that. They now have the opportunity to choose. And there's no doubt about it that this opportunity to choose that's been presented to not only countries in Africa, but to all the countries in the world outside of the, the collective West is an effect of the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. I mean, this, this conflict in Ukraine and, and the way the West reacted to Russia and the way Russia has has uh, has moved with China, maybe accelerated BRICS and all these things, have provided all the countries of, let's say, the global south with, with for the first time in many, many decades, the opportunity to talk to Macron and say, you're not the only game in town. Now, whether they do business with Macron or not, that's a different story, but they actually now can can pose that that, that question Absolutely. or that statement to him. Absolutely. Now, the point to understand is it's not the Africans who are, you know, acting aggressively here. And it's an important point to understand. It is the Western powers. Because despite the fact that it's exactly as you've, you've described it, the Africans, you know, have their options, they're independent countries, they will pursue their own policies... The Westerners still come to Africa and they still expect the Africans to stand to attention in line and do what the West wants. And that's the problem. And if you read articles in the Western media, you can see that that is the problem. Because you read all of these articles which show quite clearly how angry, for example... Um, Western governments are that African states refuse to take sides with the West over Ukraine. It's not coming from the West. It's not, you know, it's up to you. You're not against me. You're with me. We can work together. The Western position is if you're not with us, you're against us. And of course, for Africans today, that is entirely unacceptable. That's the big change that has happened in international relations over the last few years. Yeah, but I mean, the, the collective West, the, the, the foreign ministries, the diplomats of the collective West, they need to adjust to this new reality. And it just seems that they're still stuck in, in this mindset of, you know, Russia is masquerading as a gas station. It's it's this mindset of of twenty years ago, and and the same carries carries through for 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 countries in Africa and countries in the Middle East. It's this mindset that 
you know, these countries are nothing without us. And we can just come in there and do as we wish because, um, you know, there are gas stations masquerading as, as countries. I use the Russian analogy because I just think it cuts through to, to, to the mind. They're stuck in this mindset and they haven't moved, moved past this, this mindset. And, and Macron goes to, to, uh, to Congo and he, and, and he lectures and he talks about Ukraine and Ursula goes to places and she talks about Ukraine and Blinken goes to places. And he talks about Ukraine. He goes to, to India and he constantly talks about Ukraine 24 seven and Lavrov goes somewhere and he doesn't talk about Ukraine. He says, let's do some business. Let's talk about what you guys need. Let's talk about how we can cooperate. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's two very, very different approach, approaches. I can imagine, you know, leaders in Africa or in India or anywhere, in South America, just being like, God, just shut up about this already. Absolutely. You know, going to I mean, Blinken or whoever and just saying, just be quiet. I'm tired of you, you know, constantly beating on and on about this. Absolutely. And I then mean, they get any- Lavrov and they're like, okay, this guy's here and he, he, he just wants to yeah, do absolutely. business. That's great. Absolutely. We can speak absolutely. this language. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're Lav- Lavrov also answers questions, if people want to ask him questions about Ukraine, he gives, I mean, he gave a very interesting interview to an Indian journalist, which is, you know, widely covered. Some of the questions he got were difficult questions about Ukraine, but he answered them. Um, you know, Western discussion of that interview, I think, was pretty selective, actually, in terms of the audience reaction. But the point is this. He didn't run away from a discussion. He didn't lose his cool in the way that Macron did when he was asked a question he didn't want from the Congo. He didn't sit down and explain his policy. He can't. He doesn't feel he should be asked these questions. And that's the fundamental difference. And the reason for that is precisely what you said, because Western governments don't actually deep down take the African states and African leaders seriously. They don't really think that these are people that they should be conducting a dialogue with, a real, sincere, honest dialogue. They think that they're people who are there to be lectured. They're part of what Joseph Borrell called the jungle. (laughs) Credible choice of words. And um, ultimately, having... Africans or, you know, Arab leaders or Latin Americans or people in East Asia answer back is not something that Westerners either understand or have much tolerance of. And you're absolutely correct. I mean, you know, you could pull that off 20, 30 years ago when you were basically the only game in town. China was much smaller economy in those days. Russia was still recovering from its the 1980s and 1990s collapse. Um, India hadn't grown to the level that it has done. Africa hadn't recovered to the extent that it has done. I mean, you could pull it off then, but it doesn't work today because the world has changed. Instead of Western governments adjusting to that and learning from it and going away and rethinking their policies and acknowledging that multipolarity is real and is getting stronger, what happens is they lose their cool, they get angry, they come to Africa, they say ridiculous things like it's a problem 
whether there's more Chinese people in Namibia than there are Germans. <laughs> Why is that a problem? I mean, you know, things of that kind. And of course, if it's if it's uh, if it's uh, Macron, well, you see that he just loses his temper and, in effect, insults his hosts. Yeah, I just feel like uh, people like Macron or, or, or any leader in the collective West is really in a state of denial. Deep down inside, they know that the multipolar world is here. Nothing's going to stop it. But they just can't bring themselves to see it, acknowledge it, accept it. I mean, they just want to, you know, close their eyes, close their ears and deny the whole thing. And they just want to go back to the way things were 10, 15, 20 years ago. And the worst part about it is that I, I feel that deep down inside, they all know that they're the ones that did this and accelerated this multipolar yes. world order. I mean, this, yes. is, this is an yeah. own goal. You guys yes. did this to yourselves. Absolutely. I mean, this absolutely was your correct. choice. This was your choice, exactly. I mean, you know, you see this. You, American political leaders, I mean, still behave as if, as I said, the, we're in the world of 2000. European leaders, you know, talk as if, you know, it was the same, you know, the world of 1990 when, you know, the EU accounted for something like, was it 30% of the global economy or more than that, 40%. Now it accounts for something less than 15%. But they don't want to acknowledge that. They don't want to recognise that fact. They still pretend, they still pretend and behave and act as if, the world was still the world of 1990 or 2000. And because they know deep down that that's not the case anymore, it makes them very angry when anybody points out to them that it's not, that the world is, in fact, no longer as it was and that they're no longer the mighty that they imagined themselves to be. That the emperor, in other words has no clothes. <laughs> All right. That's a good spot to end the video. TheDuran.Locals.com. We are also on Rockfin. And look for us on Rumble as well. Go to the Duran shop. 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.